0: Another glorious episode makes me sick. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Mouse Madness, a podcast dedicated to bracketing all things Disney. I'm Chris Bowersox. And
1: I'm Kyle Skinner.
0: And we are your hosts for Mouse Madness. Each episode will focus on a single Disney topic, generate a bracket, and debate our way through the madness to figure out who or what is truly the best Follow us and play along on Twitter at Mouse Madness Pod, or send us an email at MouseMadnessPodcast at gmail.com.
1: All right, everybody. We are back with another bracket. We got things a little spooky with the uh, the old Twilight Zone bracket last time, but we're closing in on just under two weeks until Halloween. And since we finally have our dang process down with this podcast and what the themes are going to be, uh, we're, we're starting to really line it up with some holidays, so we're going to be talking about the best Disney Halloween movie bracket on these next couple of episodes.
0: So spooky, so scary. Uh, prepping for these episodes, Kyle, it got, it got me in the Halloween mood. Yeah. I mean, uh, we're fortunate in, in both of our baseball situations ended uh, with some time to spare <laughs> in preparation for this episode, so... Uh, I spent probably two to three weeks going through and watching all of these movies kind of at a nice uh, leisurely pace. And for our DCOMs, I ended up doing a lot of cramming, but these ones were they were spread out quite nicely for me.
1: Yeah, and uh, luckily for us, since we were able to get these, uh, these our demographics surveyed early enough, we had the brackets ready so we could really get into the Halloween spirit even earlier than that. And to help us continue with this Halloween spirit we've brought back former guest host Tess. Tess, welcome back to the podcast.
2: Happy to be here guys. Thanks for inviting me to get into the um spooky season or spooky season spirit.
1: Totally. So, in the uh in your list of holidays here, where does Halloween rank for you?
2: It is just under Christmas for me. So, huh? it goes Christmas then Halloween um but there, it's a close second, especially since being a pass holder, um, going to the parks and celebrating the holidays is one of my favorite things to do. So, or it was one of my favorite things to do, um, oh. <laughs> all things considered in 2020. Um, so that's kind of where my Halloween love kind of goes, as anything park related. So this this bracket is certainly interesting, since it kind of steers a different direction.
0: And of course. To help us get through all of the spookiness, to help us with the scaries, we need a little spoonful of sugar. Kyle, what you got today?
1: I, uh, I'm i having something a little different. I've never done this one before. I received a like tiki drink care package from a friend uh, not too long ago, and it involved uh, some ingredients in a mug. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to debut that here on, uh, on the show, except I, I swapped out the mug. Um, so this is called the Palm Tiki Smash. It's a pomegranate uh, tiki drink, very easy to make. So uh, if you can and you can re- recreate it, I'll give my review very shortly because I haven't had a sip of it yet because it happens to be 9.15 a.m. And it's a little early for this, but I'm still going to do it anyways. <laughs> um, so it's uh, two ounces of pomegranate juice. Freshly squeezed or, you know, palm wonderful juice. Uh, one and a half ounces of rum. I used Captain Morgan because I didn't know what this drink was going to be like. So I didn't want to put some of the good, that good good in there. Uh, half an ounce of almond syrup. Two ounces of pineapple juice. Throw it into a shaker, shake it up. You can garnish it with a pineapple wedge. A mint sprig and a sugar cane stick. I didn't do any of that. I or, <laughs> we're not that type of podcast. Um, so I'm a. I'm actually debuting this mug, not only to the podcast, but just to my life in general. I've never used this mug, Chris, but I had to for the Halloween spirit. It is the Trader Sam's Hatbox oh, Ghost no. Tiki Mug. Let's go. We yes. are using it. Trader Sam's coming in clutch with the uh, the hatbox ghost. His face is missing on his little tiki, but it's in his hatbox. Uh, I love this mug. I think I got it last year and just have never used it, and I felt like this was the perfect time. So uh, let me dive into this palm tiki smash, and we'll see what it's all about. It's actually not bad. It's actually not bad. That pomegranate juice is pretty good. Um, it's very sweet, but I think for, for this early morning recording, it's just what I need. Chris, what is your spoonful of sugar?
0: So unfortunately, I am currently battling a non-COVID illness, <laughs> so have not been feeling too great, which means that I had to uh, make myself something a little bit special Uh, This is my old summer camp sickness remedy. And that is two shots of silver tequila. So, uh, I got them poured up right here. I'm not going to sip on them, but they're ready to go. Okay. For something to go down in this episode, which, you know, I I need a little something to wash it down. You know, so. uh,
1: I think I know exactly what... uh those moments are gonna be for you
0: two shots of tequila it's just the perfect amount you know it just takes the edge off but sure you're not really gonna feel it too bad so uh that's my that's my personal <laughs> remedy of choice right now tess what do you got
2: well like kyle said on the west coast it is 9 15 in the morning so um i am sporting my um stretching haunted mansion stretching portrait mug um the little uh tightrope walker, and inside I have some Tivana uh, Jade Citrus Mint Tea. So that's what I'm sporting today. Ooh,
1: beautiful. Lovely. Sounds very refreshing to get this Halloween bracket started. So uh, as always, and I brought up earlier in this episode, we've got a demographic that we surveyed. Interns went ahead and went to downtown Disney looking for this specific group of people to find out what their top 16 favorite Halloween movies were now, uh, Chris. There, there, we'll dive into it a little bit more. But there's not a whole lot to choose from as far as the Halloween genre. Uh, it can be stretched if we wanted to, uh, but when we surveyed, it really, it really showed that there wasn't a whole lot to work with. And the people that our intern surveyed in downtown Disney were folks who stood in line for Halloween merch releases. Uh, in case you didn't know, everyone, we're still in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, But people need that Halloween merch, so they stood in line outside the world of Disney or even outside of the new Overflow merch uh, used on the soundstage in California Adventure that they just opened up. And uh, really, there wasn't anything special. So I feel bad for these people, but I'm thankful that they were there because we needed somebody to survey.
0: You know, when the merch is there, you got to get it. And that's what it's there for. It's there for the getting. You know, at last episode, we talked a little bit about some of our weird addictions and uh, Disney merch. Yeah. I mean, that's got to be a big one, especially Halloween merch. I mean, Halloween is a time like no other in the park. And I mean, I'm not surprised. It's, it's very hyped.
1: Tess, have you taken a trip down to downtown Disney yet uh, to grab any of this exclusive merch?
2: Um. No, I have not made it to downtown Disney because of any video I've seen of people at downtown Disney, it looks absolutely insanely busy. Um, I am definitely a frequent flyer on the Shop Disney website, but because of that, I feel like I've missed out on some of the cool merch, including the Hades spirit jersey with the matching Hades headband. I was definitely (laughs) going to sporting that if I got my hands on that. (laughs) (laughs) happen.
0: All right. Well, Kyle, like you said, there weren't a whole lot of options uh, for this bracket, but we came up with a few Missed the Dance, Uh, a few that we can talk about and kind of enter into this conversation that didn't make the bracket. So what are a couple you got?
1: Yeah. Interestingly enough, uh, Coco didn't make this Halloween bracket. And I think that kind of makes sense. It's kind of, it's not, it doesn't feel very much like a Halloween tale. Coco's still new. Maybe we'll see a resurgence in Coco being a Halloween movie in later years. But the second one for me is James and the Giant Peach. This is a Tim Burton film that really gets overshadowed by Nightmare Before Christmas. Um, But it's still really creepy. And it's mostly because Tim Burton is Tim Burton. But um, it's also just not necessarily like the Halloween tale. It's definitely not Tim Burton's most Halloween movie. He's got two of them on this bracket and many of his live action kind of fall under that as well. But this is just a weird tale with weird characters that can kind of be shoveled into the Halloween genre. So uh, those are the two for me. Chris, what are a couple for you?
0: Yeah, kind of like you. All I really have are a couple of movies that kind of fall into that like autumnal realm. uh, and Got some some fall flavor. And one of those is Frozen 2. Uh, released last (laughs) fall (laughs) there are lots of leaves changing in that movie so uh it's not a halloween movie at all not even close but it's in my rotation at this time of year uh same goes for remember the titans which (laughs) uh you know it's certainly not a movie about football per se but it's got football in it and football (laughs) is happening right now so it's another movie that i i go to Around September, October, November Uh, Not getting anywhere close to being on a best Halloween movie bracket But I think about it at this time of year Tess, any chance you notice anything that didn't make the, the list here of 16?
2: Um, Again, something that's not directly Halloween related, but as a park goer, uh, a lot of things that are present in the Disney parks during Halloween are villains. And so I was thinking about the Descendants trilogy, which I know Uh, you guys bashed a little bit on the decom bracket. Not Um, bad, It's not bad. um, But I enjoyed all three of the films and I think it really kind of gives that essence of villain. So that's what was missing for me.
0: We don't want to make y'all wait any longer. Kyle, let's cue that dramatic music. Let's break it down. Let's announce our Field of 16 for Best Disney Halloween Movie.
1: Flying in at the number one seed, it's Hocus Pocus.
0: Next up, the number two seed, Halloween Town.
1: Here at the number three seed, it's The Nightmare Before Christmas.
0: At number four, we've got The Haunted Mansion.
1: And with the number 5 pick, it is Halloween Town 2.
0: Number 6, another Tim Burton, Frankenweenie.
1: Number 7, Don't Look Under the Bed.
0: At number 8, Phantom of the Megaplex.
1: Here at number 9, it's Under Wraps.
0: Coming in at number 10, Mom's Got a Date with a Vampire.
1: Sitting at the number 11 seed, it's Tower of Terror.
0: At number 12, Mr. Boogity. The
1: 13 spot, it's Twitches.
0: Coming in at number 14, The Scream Team.
1: At number 15, Something Wicked
0: This Way Comes. Rounding out the bracket, our number 16 seed, The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad. Okay, Tess what are your thoughts on our 16 here
2: Um, a lot of ones I haven't watched before but a lot of them um, I watched once as a child or once as an adult so um, I'm really excited to get into some of these there's a couple of not so great ones that I'd love to rant about but we'll we'll get into that later
1: Oh man, get into it we will. And let's go ahead and do that, Chris, with the number one Hocus Pocus versus the number 16, The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad. Now, let's, let's chat about Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad real quick. This was a package film that Disney put, put out in the 40s, and uh, it was a way for them to really save costs on animation by creating two short su- subjects, putting them together to sell as one long film. So when we're talking about this, we're not talking about Wind in the Willows. That's Mr. Toad. That's Mr. Toad's wild ride. It's him being a nuisance. We're not going to talk about that. It doesn't really have too much to do with Halloween at all, except for the fact that like he goes to hell. Um, We're going to talk about... Of course. We're going to talk about uh, Ichabod Crane here, and this is just really the short story of Sleepy Hollow. It's really what it is. Um, You've got the school teacher showing up to, to town. He... Is for whatever reason he loves food, and that was like a really strong point of this entire thing. Was like he was very food motivated. Ichabod's
0: uh, metabolism is like elite.
1: Yeah, this my man's a stick, and yet he's just constantly eating, constantly eating, uh, and and so as he's at this like party with this girl that he likes, the the village, Brawn. His name is literally Brawn. Uh, he's telling the story of Sleepy Hollow to scare Ichabod off uh, and away from this girl that he also likes. Uh, so on Ichabod's ride home, he does encounter the Headless Horseman and a chase ensues and Ichabod disappears and everybody's just kind of like, yeah, he probably got got. Like, oh, I don't know. This whole The whole story is sung and narrated by Bing Crosby, which I think is like awesome yeah it was just such a it makes it for such a smooth enjoyable story to to take in so this this portion of this package film was only about uh, like 40 minutes at the very longest um so it's a pretty quick watch i do highly recommend checking it out for your halloween enjoyment it's a it's a great tale and it's a great short on the other side number one hocus pocus uh, I mean, the quickest synopsis is that a virgin breaks a curse and brings three witches back to life, and the witches are ready to take some souls to extend their lives, uh, and it takes some teamwork and a, a dead guy to put them back in their place. And so we've all seen it. If you if you haven't seen it and you're listening to this podcast, I, I don't believe you. You've probably seen this movie. Um, this is a solid number one seed in this matchup, because this entire movie takes place in not only Halloween, it deals with witches. It deals with curses. It deals with basically every theme that you can have when it comes to Halloween. Uh, Ichabod, not so much. Ichabod's kind of, uh, you get a snippet at the end of the headless horseman in a chase scene that lasts about five minutes, but really that's, that's all there is to the Halloween of that. So I can dive in further with with Hocus Pocus if it moves on, but I'm going to keep it pretty surface level. I'm going to move Hocus Pocus on past the number 16 seed here.
0: Kyle, the only other time we've talked about Hocus Pocus was in our best cat bracket Mm -hmm. when we were talking about Thackeray Binks. (laughs) Yes. And on that episode, I publicly declared my hate for Hocus Pocus, Mm -hmm. the... Sentence I used was, I would rather watch Coco and Inside Out every day for the rest of my life before I have to watch Hocus Pocus one more time. But uh, I had to do what I had to do. I had to watch Hocus Pocus for this bracket. Uh, I'm going to come in hot here, and it's not to burn Hocus Pocus. It's to burn The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. Oh. The movie description for Legend of Sleepy Hollow is, meet Ichabod Crane a spindly fellow who needs to fend off the town bully if he wants to sweep the beautiful Katrina Von Tassel off her feet. I rewrote that description to be more accurate, which would be, Meet Ichabod Crane, a new-in-town pompous creep who gets exactly what's coming to him. (laughs) (laughs) This dude, Ichabod, is, like, the worst.
1: Yeah, he is the worst.
0: He's, like, super full of himself for no reason And this guy, Gaston Jr., who is like this town bully, apparently, we don't really see him being much of a town bully. He's just like a big, muscular guy. And we're just supposed to like look at him and be like, oh, that guy must be a total jerk because he's like so muscular and athletic and so good at riding horses. And so Ichabod is just like clowning on this guy the whole time. Mm -hmm. And the other guy's like not even doing anything. He's just, (laughs) it really makes Ichabod look like the bully. And. At one point, he's singing about like wanting to go out with this Katrina, and he's talking about how her dad is this wealthy landowner, and like, oh, yeah. he wants her land and he wants her money, and it's like, I don't know, I don't know about this. Also, mm. Katrina is like framed as this prize for this rivalry, which also don't love it. So <laughs> I'm gonna call our boy Ichabod Icky Icky from now on because <laughs> oh, this is, just, is just uh. not my kind of dude. Uh I have a question for both of you. What's your interpretation for what happens at the end of this movie?
1: Yeah, I th- I think that the legend was true. As much as I want it to be Gaston Jr like messing with him and going out there and like you know, just scaring Ichabod off. I think it it was true. Um I think, you know, maybe Gaston Jr and, and our headless horseman are homies and he knew exactly what was gonna happen and and sent Ichabod out there. Um, Ichabod's dead though. Ichabod's dead. That he that flaming pumpkin got him. He got got. Ichabod's done. We'll never see him again. And it, and he like you said, he got what was coming for him.
0: See, like I don't mind either way. Like I'm good <laughs> if he got got, and I'm good if he got scared off too. Because either way. This dude is not a good person. <laughs> uh, the reason I think it's actually Gaston Jr. who did it is because his introduction is him like coming in hot on a horse. And so yeah. like you see that he has the skill to do that like tight horse maneuvering that the headless horseman does. Yeah. So it kind of makes like sense it. to me. I like interpreting it that way. You also physically see Ichabod with another family. Right. So uh, that's how I'm choosing to believe it. All of that being said, the Headless Horseman sequence is great. Mm-hmm. It's really, really scary. Uh, some good like music and sound in there. Animation is awesome, super crisp, super clean. And if you just like take out that one little like five to ten minute part, I would love Legend of Sleepy Hollow. It's just all this stuff leading up to it makes me not like it. So uh, I'm agreeing with you uh, on the strength of those things you talked about, the, the Halloween imagery, all that stuff enough to move Hocus Pocus on for me in a best Halloween movie bracket Tess, Do you agree with that?
2: Yes. I think, I think Hocus Pocus is just very superior in this bracket. Um, I have a personal connection with Sleepy Hollow. I was, I was in a non copyrighted version of the play when I was like a sophomore in high school or something. Um, it was great. Uh, and great being um, the sarcastic use of that word, but um, <laughs> I, I really enjoy the story, um, but but watching it as an adult for the first time, um, I agree with you that Ichabod is a creep, and he had what was coming for him, just like, you know, I know we weren't talking about uh, Toad's Wild Ride or uh, Wind in the Willows, but I mean, Toad, Toad deserved what was coming for him, too. Um, <laughs> So, which in the end, in the movie version, Toad didn't go to hell. I want right. I wanna remind you guys. They made it a happy ending. So I don't know if that's the way the book ended or Disney wanted a happy ending for one story and wanted Ichabod to die at the end of the other story. I don't know. But I agree that Hocus Pocus deserves to move on move on and Icky Icky can just, you know, stop being a creep.
0: Tess, that's so funny that you were in a Sleepy Hollow because I was in a Wind in the Willows when I was a sophomore oh. in high school and I was one of I was like the weasel leader and I had this like uh, a Bert from Mary Poppins Cockney accent I attempted and it was uh it was interesting but let's move on to uh, the number eight seed Phantom of the Megaplex versus number nine Under Wraps. Now we talked about both of these movies on our best decoms bracket. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I'll start with Phantom of the Megaplex and just kind of go over some of the things that we said about it. Uh, it's, it's not the cleanest of movies. It's kind of a a bit awkward as most DCOMs tend to be. The guy who plays the lead character, not a great actor. He constantly is doing this like breathing, this like giggle breath thing after he says things. He's like, oh, I'm going to the popcorn stand. (laughs) It's like this little like laugh that's very very annoying cuz he does it all the time. And, all the time. Um but it's uh it's pretty like cheesy and goofy, but I think in a good way. It's sort of trying to be a play on Phantom of the Opera, but it really isn't anything like Phantom of the Opera other than you that know. there is a phantom haunting a theater. Right. Something I really enjoy about it is the the cleverness of like the Phantom doing these little pranks that have to do with the movie that's playing in the theater. Uh, that was kind of fun for me to be like, "Oh yeah, no, that's that's kind of creative uh, and and non threatening. It's like very Disney, where it's like a little bit creepy, a little bit spooky, but uh, not necessarily scary." Right. I still don't know what a cinema sitter is. <laughs>
1: no, neither do
0: I. Uh, I don't know if that was like a thing that they attempted in the 90s, but uh, don't know what a cinema sitter is. Of course, we have to shout out the classic gumball sweeping scene, just the greatest of all decom scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, a- as far as this being a Halloween movie, I'm not sure it has a whole lot of stuff in it. It doesn't take place during Halloween time. It's at a movie theater. It seems like it's probably the summer. Yeah. Uh, but lots of kids getting summer jobs at the movie theater. So, um, you know, that's an element that I think is key to a lot of Halloween movies is, is taking place in the autumn. So, so I would say that that's points against Phantom of the Megaplex. Under wraps, the OG Disney Channel original movie. Uh, I'm lucky now that I bought it the first time around because now I could watch it again and, and not have to pay for it again. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, my feelings on it remain the same. It feels very primitive. Uh, it, it's a fun watch almost as like a, a historical study to be like, okay, this is this is what it used to be like. This is what these DCOMs used to be like. And, and seeing how far they've come to movies like Descendants and Zombies and Teen Beach Movie and stuff. Like this is... This is where it all began. It's a movie that plays a lot like a Nickelodeon type thing, like maybe a goosebumps or something. The humor is a little bit more ribald, it's a little bit more uh children's raunchy uh kind of gross out stuff to me, that makes it not feel very Disney, but it does have a haunted house in it. It does have a mummy in it, and to me those are those are pretty strong Halloween qualities. The thing that I think about when I think about Halloween movies and I think about holiday movies has a lot to do with tradition and everyone's traditions are different. So Star Wars episode five, the Empire Strikes Back was a huge Halloween movie in my house (laughs) has nothing to do with Halloween, but it was something we, for some reason, watched to get hyped to go out to trick or treat. So, uh, you know, calling a Halloween movie, a Halloween movie, it's very, very like open for interpretation to me. So I don't know how much you can rely on that. Like, oh, it's got Halloween imagery. It doesn't have Halloween imagery. Like if it's a a Halloween movie for you or a holiday movie for you, it is what it is. For me, at the end of the day, Phantom of the Megaplex is a more enjoyable watch. And that's the movie I'm advancing.
1: Uh, We talked about it on the last DCOM that Under Wraps was not only Disney's first DCOM, which is why it does feel so primitive. It was their first swing at made for television movies on this channel, but it was also their first, which then in hand is their first like attempt at something in the horror genre, which you can also feel. Brought it up last time we talked about this movie that the mummy is Patrick Star from SpongeBob. So that only adds to its Nickelodeonness is that like you can hear Patrick like groaning behind the the mummy's tape throughout this movie, which is just fun. Sometimes I think, um, you, you're right. Like it, it kind of falls flat, not only in the story, but just in what they're trying to do as a whole. Um, it's cheesy, which I like with kind of some of these Halloween movies. Uh, I feel like my, my taste in Halloween movies is something that's, you know, fun, but also a little, a little spooky, but maybe doesn't take itself entirely seriously. Um, this is definitely one of them, but it also feels like they were, they didn't want you to think that in under wraps. They wanted you to like be on this, this mummy's tail and, you know, go along on this journey in a, in a non, you know, poke fun at ourselves way. Like we're actually making a movie about a mummy here, people. Um, Phantom of the Megapucks was like the, it felt like the complete opposite. It felt like they knew exactly what they were doing, uh, even with like the, you brought it up with. Uh, the Phantom's shenanigans. Uh, not only was it kind of just like, you know, clever, but then they made it so Disney, like, goofy. Like, the the wind, the the fan, the industrial fan that they had oh, in yes. that movie. And <laughs> that's some of the best DCOM acting is yeah. during that when people are getting blown away. They're pushed against their seats and Pete's, <laughs> like, reaching for it. And he's... <laughs>
0: It's and like while the other Disney people... version of that GIF of the kid getting blown away. He's like, yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
1: um, we also uh, we didn't say it yet, but our boy Mickey Rooney's in this yeah. Twilight Zone. Mickey Rooney, he's back. He's in another spook. Um, what really bugged me about this this movie was just Pete's voice, man. <laughs> they really wanted. They really wanted this like. 16 year old surfer demographic to really like relate to pete and they just had him lay it on so thick it's just like oh my god your voice is so annoying um also who trusts a bunch of like 16 year olds to host a hollywood opening premiere at their
0: and it it's, gives me major summer camp vibes whenever oh, i watch phantom of Time. the Mega megaplex i'm like these are children do not <laughs> trust them
1: oh man but Chris at the end of the day I'm with you this movie is definitely the more enjoyable watch uh, even if it's not within this kind of like fall autumn time period it's definitely got the hijinks that I enjoy in a Halloween movie kind of go on a journey trying to solve and you're you're, you're taking these step by steps ways to figure it out and the ending's not surprising you could call it from the beginning but Uh, the way that they try and divert you is always fun. So I'm with you. I'm moving it on. Tess, any last words for DCOM's original movie, the first DCOM under wraps?
2: Um, I just have to give a shout out to the drive-thru scene, as predictable as it is, or not predictable, but as much as we see it in other movies, I just loved watching the mummy order food, not order food, but talk to the intercom and the girl Acting like she knew what he ordered. I, I really enjoyed that bit.
1: <laughs> yes. Great bit. I, God, yeah. It, it's so what you would expect out of that actor. <laughs> Patrick Starr would do that. All right, let's talk about the next matchup. It's number four, The Haunted Mansion, versus number 13, Twitches. Uh, So I remembered watching Twitches when it – first came out and really enjoying it um i i remember it being you know like this is a great new halloween movie can't wait to have it in my rotation uh twitches is about these two twins that are separated at birth they happen to be witches uh when they're reunited they on their 21st birthday uh this evil force that was trying to kill them when they were babies is back And it takes the uh, the power of togetherness, love, and sisterhood to take down the darkness. Um, This movie sucked. This movie was (laughs) awful. Um, I from its like cheesy punchlines to uh, the you know Tia and Tamara are like really great actresses together. They had been doing it. All of their childhood, all of their lives. So they they were really good together, but that just made everything around them seem even worse. And then you could tell the writers wanted them to like really connect to the youth by giving them like these weird, stupid phrases to say. Um, like when at the very end, uh, when they did the whole like whatever loser thing together, I was just like, turn it, turn it. Can I turn this movie off? Do I
0: have <laughs> Come to? Come keep... on, man. That was that made me smile. Cause I remember no. when people used to be like, oh. eh.
1: I I got like I got like sweaty with embarrassment. I couldn't handle it. It was bad. The um the two protectors, Karsh and Ileana, I thought Ileana, full send, Karsh was too afraid to like be silly. And you could tell their dynamic and chemistry was just so off, but they wanted to make it work so bad. And they, there's such a potential for that duo to like, they had some really good banter, just yeah. like yes. The, yes. the response just fell so flat sometimes from Karsh that it was just like, that's <laughs> your reaction is so off. This is not, that's not good. Can so I, I really interject liked, on
0: that for a second? Please. So I don't know if you were going here, but the woman who plays Eliana is on Shit's Creek. Yes. And became a successful comedic actress. And the guy yeah. never acted again.
1: <laughs> yep. Yep. I, thank you. Thank you. Because that makes, it just made so much sense. When I was researching that, I was like, ah, yeah. Yeah. This was his first and last gig. Get this guy out of here. Fun fact that when the twins bump into each other at the, at the like, mall, that's exactly how they bump into each other in Sister Sister the first episode <laughs> yep. of Sister, Sister. That's exactly yep. how they're introduced to each other. Like the same scenario where the worker comes and gives an item of clothing that the other twin ordered because they thought it was that twin. Same scenario. So I was like, well, you could have done something a little bit more original than that. It's a bad movie. The Haunted Mansion, people really like to hate on this movie and it's for good reason. I think it's it was not what... Haunted Mansion fans wanted. Um, For those who somehow haven't seen this movie, uh, this real estate power couple, Jim and Sarah Evers, uh, they divert their family vacation with their two kids for a sales opportunity at this mansion that's haunted. It's Gracie Manor. And uh, they get trapped due to a case of mistaken identity, and they're freed by the power of love and family. And, you know, it's... If you watch it, I try So I've watched it so many times and I've understood that this is not up to par with what people wanted. A lot of that has to do with because this movie came out the same year as Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl. So when Disney's like puts out Pirates movie in the summer and it's great and people are like, wow, like they finally did an attraction movie correctly and really well. And it's not stupid. It's like kind of spooky kind of scary but serious adventure we about to get it with the haunted mansion yo and the haunted mansion <laughs> came out and it was the complete opposite of everybody's expectations so it, it's really about managing those expectations when it comes down to it it's it's just a silly eddie murphy family movie yes. and you can't fault it for that i mean it's what it they set out to do and it's what they it's what they did um, there were some moments in this as well that were a little cringy like the whatever loser like when uh, Sarah is about to get married to the ghost and and Master Gracie is like talking about objections and Eddie Murphy bursts into the room and he goes,
0: <laughs> yeah, I got, yeah, I got a few <laughs> objections. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's just like,
0: I feel p- like that scene was in every movie in like the early 2000s. Shrek it was. Yes. Didn't he? did Eddie Murphy do it in Shrek? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> 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 Probably.
1: Oh man! Um, also, the movie ends with like a random like fire dragon. When have we talked about a dragon in this movie? I don't know. Uh, that comes out to like take the the Master Gracie dude. Yeah. So I mean. It's just a fun tale of folks getting trapped in a haunted house with silly ghosts and silly occurrences. They have to face a lot of their fears. The spider scene is disgusting uh, when they're in the mausoleum and the spiders are all crawling everywhere and the little boy who's afraid of spiders has to free his dad and sister. A lot of callbacks. I will say what's great about this movie in a haunted mansion sense is the score the score of this movie is so, so good um, with a ton of themes and references to the attraction. And I think they did it very well. Um, It almost at some points feels like the score doesn't match the movie because it felt like they were trying to do two different things. But, you know, that's okay. So here in this matchup, I hated Twitches. I'm moving The Haunted Mansion on.
0: Kyle, uh, I'm happy that you have kind of the same sentiment as me about The Haunted Mansion uh, this is a movie that I really enjoyed when I was younger and this movie came out. I remember watching it on many a road trips on my uh, PlayStation 2 rigged up to like a Radio Shack screen <laughs> that we bought. Um, I think it's really great. Uh, and I know it's not that like gritty, dark. People have been talking about like a Guillermo del Toro haunted mansion for decades. And I think right. that's what people kind of wanted out of this movie. But um, man- I forgot how great Eddie Murphy was in the early 2000s. Yes. I mean, it was like hit after hit. Nutty Professor, Dr. Doolittle, Daddy Daycare, Haunted Mansion. This dude is a great, like, raw comic and also a great, like, family comedian. I mean, he's just so good. And then I remembered how his career ended. It was... He was in Dreamgirls and nominated for an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor. And in the same year, he was in Norbit. (laughs) And people were talking about revoking his Academy Award nomination because (laughs) he was also in Norbit. (laughs) And no one ever saw Eddie Murphy again in the movies. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. I haven't seen him at all since then. But he was was really great. And Haunted Mansion was Eddie Murphy in his prime. Mm Mm-hmm. I want to talk some more about Twitches because this is a movie that is ripe for a breakdown. So I want to do it. Please. Um, first of all, the bad guy's name's Thanos. Yeah. All right, let's get that out of the way right now. <laughs> he's also dressed in black and has like two minion dudes also dressed in black. And the mom has like no idea he's the bad guy. Like, oh, <laughs> Thanos, what's up? And he's like got a scar on his face and is like, Oh, there's some evil force in the kingdom. Oh, really? Hmm. I had no idea. Yes. Last episode, we talked about the bewitching pool and the bad dub in that episode. The Halloween birthday party scene in this movie has a bewitching level bad audio dub yes. where you can tell they were probably filming with like music or something to get people to dance and it just ruined the audio. And so they re-recorded Everyone, and it just seemed super, super, super awkward. It was awful, Kyle. We're both tennis instructors by trade, and there was a tennis scene in this movie.
1: I love a tennis scene. (laughs) I love a tennis scene. It (laughs) was
0: embarrassing. I can't remember which of the Maori sisters it was that was uh, on the court, but she was standing in no man's land, Mm -hmm. hand near the neck of the racket, and basically like. Follying at it like she was swatting flies. Yeah, And then the yep. camera like reverses to the other side of the court. And it's just like a nice like ace. <laughs> it's like, all right.
1: Uh, it's how most tennis scenes go in Hollywood. And it's like, you know, they don't teach the actors the, the correct swing mechanics. They're just like, go out there and swing. And so every single time it's yep. like, what is what is happening here?
0: It happens in a lot of sports Movies, it it reeks of Corbin Blue trying to swing a baseball bat. So <laughs> not pretty. We talked a little bit about Eliana and Homeboy. What's his name? Karth. Karsh. Karsh. They kiss at the end and yeah. become like a couple. Felt unnecessary.
1: <laughs> of course, it was unnecessary. But they kind
0: of addressed it when one of them was like, Wait, you guys are a couple? And they're like, Yeah, off and on for like 50 <laughs> yeah. years or whatever. I'm like, all right. <laughs> At least they, like, referenced how weird that decision was. Yeah, totally. Uh, The other thing that disturbed me at the ending of this movie was the theme. The opposite of darkness isn't light. It's love. Literally not true. (laughs) Open a dictionary and find out for yourself. The opposite of darkness is indeed light. So uh, I, I cringed when that was like the the moment when the evil was banished from the kingdom. All in all, this movie's just all over the place. And I agree, not advancing. Tess, any last words for Twitches?
2: Uh, no, except that I was pleasantly surprised that they didn't really play on the whole like Prince and the Pauper type of storyline that they just kind of like let them You know unite and be kind of close to each other right away i thought that was kind of refreshing that they didn't have to harp on their differences that they can just kind of move forward with the storyline but other than that um not as memorable as haunted mansion
0: yeah definitely
1: they also like completely said hey uh who knows like graphics here oh oh tom over in product (laughs) knows how to like render graphics all right tom you're gonna do everything here and it was just like, they, they committed to the special effects from the castle to the darkness to everything. They just said, do the, do the best you can. And they, they tried really hard. <laughs> but it was yeah. awful. All
0: right, let's move on. We're, we're hesitantly moving on to our next matchup. It's Halloween Town 2 boogity versus boogity. Mr. Mr. Boogity, a.k.a. Mr. Boogity. Me. Boogity, boogity. boogity. Um, So just to give you all a little peek behind the curtain We take extensive notes Before we talk about these movies And my notes for Mr. Boogity are non-existent And my notes for Halloween Town 2 are about three lines
1: Chris, I have one note for Mr. Boogity And all it says is Gag City, bitch
2: Oh okay. you know what my mi- you know what mine says? Mine says gay city because you can't see the yes! G. Yes, yes.
0: <laughs> I didn't want to say it, but I was I was thinking it the whole time.
2: You don't see it till the very end, and it's so funny. <laughs>
0: so Mr. Boogity is a movie that is 45 minutes long, which is usually not a good sign for a movie. Right. (laughs) And so um, I watched Mr. Boogity and my eyes were wide the entire time. (laughs) Mr. Boogity feels like a movie that they made up as they went along. There was no script. There were no lines. They were just like, let's start filming and see what ideas we come up with as we go along. It results in this fascinating train wreck of a 45-minute movie, if you want to call it that. On the other side of the bracket, you've got Halloween Town 2, which is a one-and-a-half-hour train wreck in the worst possible way. That's Mr. So Boogity bad. is one of those like cult-type movies like uh, The Room or something like yes. that where it's bad, but there was some there was some person with a wild vision who was making these strange choices and it's fascinating to watch and Halloween Town 2 was like a a mass production movie where they're like ah we need a Halloween Town sequel let's make a Halloween Town 2 so they had no real like vision for it and they just kind of like put it in autopilot and just let it let it fly a good Summary of Halloween Town 2 is Cal as a giant talking cinder block. Just like talking about legends or curses or something.
1: Yeah. It's so. It felt like the that like Apple commercial. You mean, like the very, very old. Like, yeah, where they throw the Mac.
0: thing into the screen. Yeah. Yeah. After that, they spend <laughs> approximately forty minutes of an hour and a half movie looking for a book in some guy's house. (laughs) (laughs) I was like watching this movie. I'm like, they're still in the house? Yeah. They're still in the house. They still have not gone anywhere. They're still looking for this book in this house. Yeah. I mean, I have nothing against people talking in rooms, but people talking in rooms for 40 minutes is uh, excessive. Little interesting fun fact. The actress who plays Marnie... And the actor who plays Cal are dating currently for the last like few years. Uh, They're on TikTok and uh, they're pretty good, actually.
1: I I actually came across one of her TikToks yesterday.
0: Yeah, so it's uh, I'm into that little little real life love story. But this movie is just so bad and and Mm -hmm. so boring. You know, Mm -hmm. like if you want to talk about the Halloween holiday as one of tradition and halloween movies as as movies that you traditionally watch year after year halloween town 2 is not one of those and mr boogity is absolutely one of those movies that i'm going to watch for every halloween until the day i die (laughs) yes so absurd and whack i mean we can break it down like fully next round Uh, halloween town 2 needs to get off this bracket
1: Yeah. Halloween Town 2 is not a good movie. I'm with you. I'm not even going to. I'm going to save my comments for Mr. Boogity. I have some points that I really want to talk about and moments in this film that I think is worth us, uh, you know, diving into slightly. Uh, But I'm going to save it for the next round test. We got the upset because Boogity Boogity is moving on.
2: I'm so happy. It was <laughs> such an enjoyable experience watching it. Right? Oh my god. I'm so glad you guys liked it. <laughs> well. <laughs>
1: well. We'll see about that in the next round. All right, let's hop over to the other side of the bracket. It's number two Halloween Town verse. Number 15 Something Wicked This Way Comes. What a journey it was to find this movie, Chris. <laughs>
0: uh what? r.i.p to all of our personal information
1: yeah uh if you didn't know this movie is not available anywhere it has Basically. been
2: scrubbed from the internet did you guys not watch it on youtube like i did
1: well yeah okay kind of
2: <laughs> okay okay so i watched a really really bad rendition of it on youtube
1: yeah 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 we uh chris and i definitely have our data stolen by a russian social media network uh, in order to watch this film it was, like, kind of worth it. All right, so let's talk about it. Uh, Something Wicked This Way Come is a Ray Bradbury uh, story. Uh, Ray and Walt Disney were homies. So it comes to no surprise that, like, in, this, in the 80s, during, like, the Eisner era and, you know, Ron Miller kind of exiting out, that there would still be this uh, Bradbury tie and that they would want to incorporate him into the studio somehow. So Something Wicked This Way comes, which I had never seen before this bracket. Um, I'd always heard about it, but never actually watched because one, it's impossible to find digitally. And two, it's just not something that I think about. Essentially, Carnival comes to town and it's really, it's this creepy carnival. We see carnivals pop up a couple of times in this bracket. uh, So it's definitely kind of this theme of, Creepiness during Halloween, but a carnival comes to town and uh, and really makes the citizens of the town part of their acts by tempting them with what they want the most um, and, and stealing their soul. Essentially, is what it comes down to. Um, which two little kids find out, and now they're on the mission to try and stop this carnival and stop people from entering it. Is really kind of the basis. A lot of the movie is the kids running away. Like in hiding, that's a lot of this movie. Um, uh, Mr. Black is the no, Mr. Dark is the kind of ringleader of this carnival. Chris, what a great like villain! I thought this guy was such a like powerful, not only character, but actor.
0: Were you able to ID the actor? No, Jonathan Price, our boy, Governor Swan holy cow no way a very young jonathan price and this is textbook great villain yeah we we can talk about quality of villains in some other matchups here but i mean this is the gold standard right here guy who just has a an energy about him that is scary
1: wow what a great fun fact you just kind of blew my mind a little bit there what's interesting
0: Um. is that they were originally hesitant to cast Jonathan Price and they were going to look for a more well-known movie actor and Jonathan Price at the time was not a movie actor, but they went with him anyway and here he is, this just incredible, incredible actor.
1: Yeah, so he's on a mission to steal the souls of these little kids and essentially he would then take that soul and have this kind of eternal youth very Hocus Pocus-esque in in his motives. But there's one scene in particular that really kind of blew my mind and and just had me like edge of my seat just watching. It's when they're in the library and he's threatening the kid's dad with with more life. And he's, he's like, tell me where the kids are. And he has a book and the pages represent another year of life. And every time the dad takes too long to respond, which he doesn't respond at all, Jonathan Price whips a page out and it's so intense and he's so fired up and just like passionate and scary. He's just like 32 years old. That's a perfect time. You're, you're young. You still have kids. 33 years old. And I'm just like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> it was so good. Like I just want to watch that scene over and over again. I really like this kind of, you know, It this had a, a very big, the masks twilight zone theme right where it's like these people who are a little selfish or or their wants are a little bit gross or weird and they kind of have to you know be responsible for that by they get their soul snatched <laughs> for being you know the the cigar salesman being this like creepy dude about like cuban women and money and the other guy being very creepy about like quote unquote exotic women right and he goes into the belly dancer tent and gets snatched so it's one of those things that you have these kind of subtle lessons along the way very enjoyable like watch as far as like Halloween goes uh I didn't get a ton of like Halloween vibe from it in my opinion um it felt like a very classic just kind of like thriller movie but there was I don't know what it was for me that just didn't you know, make me feel like I have to watch this every Halloween. This feels like a movie that I'm going to watch again soon, and, and it doesn't have to be Halloween. Um, Cross the board, it's Halloween Town, which is, you know, we talked about it in the DCOMs. Uh, it's a very big world-exploring movie, um, which I think is what makes it a lot of fun. Uh, I, I brought that up on the DCOM bracket. It's fun to see what kind of monsters live in Halloween Town. Uh, Halloween Town's a movie about this, you know, mysterious happenings in this parallel universe to the human world, and it takes a, a family of witches to figure it out and and end it. Um, people are being also snatched and kept in a movie theater. We got some movie theater themes here in this bracket, uh, and and it's also that the Calabar has enough power to enter the real world and essentially like punish the real world for casting the people of Halloween town out into their own universe is what I, I kind of got from it, which is kind of bizarre because it felt like the people of Halloween town were like chill with it. They actually enjoyed it. Uh, one thing that really bugged me that we didn't get to say about Halloween town too, is that they very obviously couldn't get the permit to like shoot at their original location again. So when they on Halloween Town two in the intro, they talk about how Halloween Town is always changing. It's never the same, and it was just, and so they like zoom in on Halloween Town and it's the smallest box set of just like facades. And I was like, oh, this is already off to a, a terrible start. But Halloween Town is fine. They have that kind of you know, get ready for it, pull out your shot, iconic, uh, you know. Set with the big pumpkin in the center of town outside of city hall, a bunch of people in in Halloween costumes walking around that are supposed to kind of be like real ghouls and goblins and stuff. It's a cheesy decom right uh you have uh debbie Reynolds uh who's an incredible actress, does a very good job of being this grandma witch, I think um but everything from the lines that the kids say to the scenarios they get themselves in. The barbershop scene is one of those where it's just it like uh, they need to get hair of a werewolf. Werewolf is a barber in Halloween Town, which is pretty silly. That's fun, right? Hairy guy is a barber. Uh, and they, they shave off some of his hair and he looks in the mirror and he's like, oh, I kind of like this. Uh, Sir, the hair that they took was from directly in the back of your head. Looking at a mirror front on is not going to show you what the back of your head looks like. So how do you know if you like this new look if it's not really a new look because you look the same from the front? It's, it's a nice, heartwarming, like, you know, this family bands together. I love that the brother doesn't get any powers. He's just kind of the lame duck. Like, he's just along for the ride and all of the women in the family are like, we're witches, bro, and you're not really anything. You just gotta hang out and complain about everything the entire time. This is a tough matchup because Halloween Town is very Halloween, right? It's a, it's literally Halloween. Yeah. Literally, all the time. Uh, deals with witches, deals with this kind of, you know, quote-unquote spooky with this villain who's, like, really intimidating, uh, as, long, as well as, you know, these goofy kind of scenarios as you go along, a little lighthearted. Something wicked is very just dark the entire time, Um But it's a very good story. It actually made me want to, like, read the actual story. Um, I feel like that's a... They probably dive in a lot more into, you know, the happenings at the carnival and more of the motives of uh, Mr. Dark. Uh, Man. I don't want to do it because I liked it so much, but I think I'm going to have to do it just because I don't know that it's going to be in my Halloween rotation. I'm going to move Halloween Town on.
0: Ooh, baby.
1: Yeah, I I liked Something Wicked a lot, but there's it just feels like a, a timeless just like a piece. It's not with, with the Halloween movies I see it as I'm going to watch it usually just during Halloween. So I, that's just my personal bias that I have here.
0: So, wow. Alright. This turned into me also breaking down Halloween Town to me now having to defend Something Wicked in a few ways. So, Kyle, I know, and Tess, you're both from a rural community. Yep. As as am I. Did y'all not have, like, harvest festivals or carnivals or fairs during October and Halloween time?
2: We have one of the coolest, like, corn mazes in the area. So, yes, I would definitely say so.
1: Yeah, we had a fair every Halloween.
0: So even though they did not say, like, oh, it's Halloween – the leaves were changing. There was a fair. This is a Halloween time movie, like, with, <laughs> un, without question. And that's a theme that you see in a lot of these movies. There are fairs or harvest festivals or carnivals or whatever, because that's just what that's what sort of Americans do at this time of year. So I disagree with you wholeheartedly that this seems like it's not Halloween or not at Halloween time. Yeah, there's no, like, trick-or-treating, but um, – you know, like we talked about with some of the Miss the Dance movies, it's got the autumnal feel to it. Halloween Town, I have so many problems with this movie, and I don't think I was able to articulate it well enough in our best DCOMs brackets, so I picked apart a couple of, of moments here. First of all, I want to start this by saying I saw on Twitter yesterday, it was like the twenty twenty fourth anniversary of Halloween Town, or 19th, or, I don't know. It was like a trend. Mm -hmm. And under the trend, someone had tweeted, y'all need to recognize that Halloween Town is a better movie than Hocus Pocus. And I was like, that's not saying much for either of these movies here. Um, (laughs) I think it does what it sets out to do. And that is a children's book about a Halloween Town coming to life. And the value in this movie is just seeing this like fantastical world of Halloween Town. I could see how, like, a child could be very inspired by this. There's there's interesting masks and interesting makeup, and it's kind of cool. And, like, it kind of, like, stimulates your imagination a little bit. But when it comes to, like, actual story and, like, actual characters, there's just really not a whole lot here for me. But let's talk about some of these, like, smaller moments. The broom salesman. Most extra human being. I guess he's not a human, but he's... He randomly chose an Elvis impression for, for like <laughs> being the broom salesman. And he gets the line of the entire movie. That Luke guy turned into such a wiener. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, um. <laughs> Some of these like puppets like did not work for me at all. The yeah, guy who's the cab driver is decent for most of the movie, but in the very last scene when they're like riding the bus out of Halloween Town, you can see that they dressed the puppeteer as like a goblin, and he's like he's like cuddling the <laughs> like <is> this, <laughs> this guy's like partner or something like that. Like these two are like cozying up next to each other. Yeah. The other puppet that like does not work is whatever creature is in the mayor's office. Calabar's yeah. office that pops up. It like pops the... up and they like cut away from it when it's talking, because <laughs> they just like
1: you don't have to deal with it.
0: <laughs> probably didn't work. One other thing that does not work for me is Mark Mothersbaugh's score. Mark Mothersbaugh was a member of the band Devo, great huh. '80s new wave band, but he does uh, music for a lot of Wes Anderson. Movies, Life Aquatic is like the most mother's boss sounding score. He also did the Rugrats score. Oh, and so if you are watching Halloween Town, you get this very like, yeah, funky, whimsical, kooky, yeah, mood. And like something wicked is the complete opposite. Something wicked is the scariest movie on this bracket, and it's it's uh it's James Horner, who did Titanic and he has a resume of films that is, is extremely long. Uh, this guy is one of the best to ever do it. So these movies are, are two completely different vibes. Uh, probably the biggest problem I have with Halloween town and one that I have with a few movies on this bracket, for some reason when it comes to Halloween movies, Disney loves the like jilted male lover villain where like, The villain didn't get the girl, and so now he's chosen to commit acts of violence because of that. Yeah, yeah. And Calabar's like, you could have loved me, but you loved a human, and now you all must die. It's like, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Don't like it. Don't like it. And you're going up against Mr. Dark, who is this just, like, twisted guy who is either the devil or has some kind of deal with the devil. It's just... It's much more effective and less gross. I know you say you don't want to watch something wicked every Halloween. I do. I got to find a way to get it that's not on a Russian social media website. But uh, I got something wicked pretty easily here. So, Tess, you're going to get your first tiebreaker.
2: Ooh. um, Yeah, I had some of the same vibes that kyle did in that halloween town seems like a very halloweeny movie whereas something wicked um, i really surprisingly enjoyed this movie i didn't know if i was going to get through the like pixelated version i was watching if i if it would uh capture my attention enough to get through the whole thing but i did and i really enjoyed it um one thing I'll say about Halloween Town that I found very endearing was the um, the costuming. The low quality costuming really gave me a Buffy the Vampire Slave vibe, like <laughs> the yeah. first few seasons of Buffy, especially <laughs> just like people in the background, like just the Halloween Town citizens. It just I felt like I was watching Buffy, so I really enjoyed that. <laughs> um, I just I I am not part of the Halloween. Town cult i don 't think it's the best movie in the world it 's something that i 'll put on in the background when i 'm decorating for Halloween. Um, I think it 's just an okay movie um, i don't I love Debbie, Debbie Reynolds in that movie i don 't love the the mother grandma like fighting kind of thing. It makes me uncomfortable for whatever reason i don 't like that the mom is you know hating on grandma for trying to expose Marnie to the witch stuff. Um, Yeah, I think I'm going to go for the upset and do something Wicked This Way Comes, because it was just an overall way more enjoyable movie. So sorry for all the Halloween Town lovers out there that are going to get hate mail for this, but uh, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) give them hate mail for this.
0: Let's go. I'm so glad we get to break down Something Wicked a little bit more on next episode. Uh, We're going to move things down, though, to our next matchup, which is the number seven, Don't Look Under the Bed versus number 10, Mom's Got a Date with a Vampire. Don't Look Under the Bed is a Disney Channel original movie that is, as Stephen A. Smith says, on crack! (laughs) First question for you guys. Did either of you have an imaginary friend? Because this is a foreign concept to me. I did
1: not.
2: I was an only child, so... (laughs) (laughs) No. I I guess I, I think I had imaginary friend phase because I feel like it was in movies a lot when we were kids growing up. I don't know. I definitely sure. talked to my stuffed animals all the time, like they were my friends.
0: Okay, so this movie seems to be a platform for this actor. There's a
1: pro-imaginary pro, pro imaginary friend agenda in this. Uh-
0: <laughs> it's very – and, like, these imaginary friends are, like, wild. <laughs>
1: I don't know. <laughs> I, I
0: feel like I don't know the name of the actor who plays uh, Harry Houdini or Larry Houdini, mm-hmm. but they gave him a lot of room to play, <laughs> a lot. And I was into it at the beginning when they were doing like Damn. awkward shots of him, like just doing like weird stuff. Of like, bro, this is great. Like, I'm eating this up. And then it just eventually got so insane. It hit diminishing marginal returns. I was like, this guy is OTT over the top.
1: I got, I was getting major like Aladdin genie vibes for a lot of his like gags. Okay. Cause he would, he'd would play a lot of like puns and then embody what like that pun was. But he was over the top the entire time, even when things were getting serious.
0: And ultimately that's what this movie is. Like it's about, uh, a young girl named Francis Bacon, who, who um, <laughs> I guess refuses to believe in imaginary friends because she believes in science. And uh, Larry Houdini is just an insane person. And they're trying to get her to re-believe in imaginary friends. And that's it. Like that's the movie. Uh, there's nothing Halloween really going on here. There is a scary imaginary friend, uh boogeyman. We've got another boogeyman movie. I think we've Mm -hmm. got three on this bracket. Uh, And this is probably my least favorite boogeyman. Boogeyman drinks something called boogie goo, (laughs) Um, which I would love to taste a boogie goo one day. I don't know about that. (laughs) Um, Most ridiculous moment in this movie for me is the fingernail battle that happens at the very end, uh, like the climax scene. Boogie's fingers grow, fingernails grow super long, and he's using them as swords. And then, yeah, super long sword fingernails. And then he gets hooked up to like a car battery and gets electrocuted. Uh, so strange. God, There's lots of man. unnecessary camera tilts in this movie. There's uh, a, a weird reference to inappropriate student-teacher relationships. Mm-hmm. They call the science teacher "Creepy Kepler," and we like see him like making comments to Francis. There's
1: there's a lot of really dated like gender role comments in this movie that sucked. There is another one where uh like dad Francis's dad is like a stay-at-home dad or or something and Larry uh Francis brings up that he's his her dad's going to go do some cleaning or, or vacuuming. And Larry goes, your dad does the vacuuming. This is starting to get unbelievable. And oh, it was just yeah, like, yeah, yeah, sir, sir.
0: <laughs> All of a sudden the movie gets really deep when it starts talking about a, a bone marrow transplant and some like yeah. leukemia, uh, family health drama, it's like yeah. a weird contrast between how goofy, like the imaginary friend stuff, is, and now you have like childhood cancer in the mix as well.
1: And like, and that Francis wasn't willing to like save her brother, and she feels that
0: guilt. And it's like, where
1: did this <laughs> come like this from? You're making us do this.
0: It's very, very weird. Uh, on the other side of this matchup, you've got Mom's got a date with a vampire, which to me is a very. I will say it's a very solid movie. It's definitely not my favorite, but there's not a whole lot of holes that I can poke in it, honestly. I love the scale of this movie. A lot of these Halloween movies have these very large-scale, like, catastrophic events happening, like, big curses and towns being take chasms in the earth opening up and being absorbed into hell. And, like, this, this yeah. mom's got a date with a vampire. That's what the movie's about. Mom goes on a day <laughs> with a vampire. Chaos ensues. And, and I love that. I love that for any movie. I love that for a decom. Caroline Ray, who is uh, one of my neighbors on the Upper West Side, does a great job as the mom <laughs> in this movie. She has a, an incredible savage mom line when the little kid's like, I'm supposed to go to Headless Horseman. Like, Duffy got us tickets. And she's like... Well, I hope Duffy did his homework. <laughs> like a savage bomb line that, like, only someone who had a single working mom or is a single working mom can can understand. Just the the savagery. Totally. Yeah. Ultimately, I mean, there's just there's just a whole lot to like about this movie. Uh, I can talk about it a little bit more next bracket. I think it gets the easy win for me here over the strange. Don't look under the bed.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna do the same. Uh, but before before I pass it along completely, I wanted to bring up a part that just made me like two parts in "Don't Look Under the Bed" that I just completely face palmed. One is when Darwin, who's the little brother that that was sick, gets dragged under the bed by the boogeyman in like a, a pillowcase or whatever, and, uh, <laughs> and the entire time he's in there under the bed in this like boogeyman world darwin goes who are you talking to there's no such thing as imaginary like uh imaginary friends it's like darwin you just got drugged <laughs> under the bed and you're not believing that like your sisters talking to somebody like what is what is happening darwin uh and the second part is the freaking kiss at the end man
0: oh yes why she what? kiss what? why'd she
1: kiss her imaginary friend why did they have to end it with this, like, love motivation? It was just disgusting. Ah, God, I I was, like, so ready for this to be one of those, like, fly-under-the-radar movies that, like, we remember it coming out maybe uh, as a as a decom and that this would trigger something to be like, wow, I'm going to put this on the Halloween rotation. I'll never watch this movie again, I don't think. So uh, I'm with you. Uh, Mom's Got a Day is just a solid movie. Tess... Your thoughts, because you're pacing over there. You're ready to get after it.
2: I hated this movie. <laughs> Don't look under the bed. I hated this movie. I couldn't finish it. Like once the um, the imaginary friend started guilt tripping the sister for not donating, not for not donating donating her bone marrow when. <laughs> The fact that the older brother did match the little brother should be celebrated. It's not a bad thing that someone else didn't give their bone marrow. It's really irrelevant. It has nothing to do with the rest of the movie. And the fact that it was brought up again when like the counselor or whatever was um, talking about it with the parents, it was just. It was very weird. Um, It also, another problematic element was like kind of like the anti-mental health vibes with everyone thinking that the girl was crazy, um, which I guess was the times because it wasn't, you know, 2020 people are much more cool about that stuff now. But it was just very, very uncomfortable and very, very trashy. And I hated it with all my heart.
1: (laughs) That's actually a perfect synopsis for that entire movie. Very trashy and I hated it with all my heart. Let's move on to this next matchup, uh, number three, The Nightmare Before Christmas, versus number fourteen, The Scream Team. Uh, let's start at The Scream Team, baby. <laughs> let's talk about it, baby, because this is a movie I had never seen, didn't know existed, nope. and I was I was very happy that I got to watch it, Chris. Yeah, I actually I actually like liked it. I I think this is yeah, like one of yeah. the this is one of the decoms that I was hoping I'd throw on like into my rotation during Halloween. This is this is the one. Um you've got uh, a-, a grandpa that dies, s- solid start to the movie, um, and then uh, his soul gets trapped in this like limbo. Um, you come to find out that it's because this other pilgrim ass ghost, Zachariah, who was burned at the stake 200 years before for accidentally killing his wife, is snatching souls around town to take his revenge on, this this small community uh, and grandpa's one of those souls uh there's souls in this world in this realm pass through essentially like a customs think like coco uh going into the land of the dead yeah. it's a very it's like exactly the same uh they they go through this customs which i was like really like i praised coco for that scream team did it first baby let's
0: scream go team did it first. let's go
1: <laughs> um, and it was really funny. You had the kind of like over the top customer service lady, like wishing everybody a happy death as they go through this mirror into the afterlife. Um, it's pure chaos in there. People don't know where they are. They don't know how they ended up there. They're trying to find lost loved ones. You know, like it's it felt like an airport or like a like a customs place. So I really enjoyed that element. Uh, we have
0: Cat Dennings,
1: Cat Dennings. Yeah, makes her appearance in this one. Incredible. Uh, yes, she's very good. She's very good at playing like that older sister yeah. character. You know, um, we know Kat Dennings for many things. She's most currently in Two Broke Girls. Um, so yeah, she's great. Uh, the little brother's great. I like the small town. We got a harvest festival, Chris. That's you brought that up recently. Uh, very Halloween. Uh, and then you got the ghosts, man. You got the scream team. First off, you have the the um, Kathy what is it Najimi Nim, Nimj Nimji what Najimi from Hocus Pocus. Yeah. Um. So automatically sparks in your mind. You're like Halloween. We see one of the Sanderson sisters. You have Eric Idle from Monty Python. Like, what a great grab. God for of this comedy. Cast. Yes, right. What a great grab for this cast. Um. And then you have this character named Jumper. Um and I tried to look him up and I, I saw his name but it didn't recognize I didn't recognize him from anything. Uh he was a little over to the top in this, uh but his that was his adrenaline junkie kind of personality, I, I took it as. Uh so they they're on the mission with these kids to figure out what happened to grandpa and let's get grandpa back through this portal. Um it takes a Ghostbuster's turn. We we suck Zachariah up in this like inventor's vacuum cleaner. Uh, Because grandpa was an inventor, so we got that lying around. Overall, it was just a really fun, silly, comedy-filled movie with Eric Idle quips and you know getting into these weird scenarios, a lot of ghost jokes about what they can and can't do. Um it was just really enjoyable. Very it's a very solid storyline. Uh there I'm sure there are holes that we can pick within it, uh, but I just thought it was really solid. It's up against Nightmare Before Christmas. I don't even need to really like dive into it. If you haven't seen it, then like turn off this podcast. What are you doing? This is uh people always kind of debate whether they watch it during Halloween or Christmas because Halloween Town takes over Christmas. This is a this is a Halloween movie to me. I it, it doesn't feel very Christmassy other than that's the holiday they choose to take over. Um You know, Tim Burton does his creepy thing. This is a stop motion film that's very impressive for its time. Uh, and and you see it more stop motion when we get to Frankenweenie and and when you put them side by side, you're just like, man, did technology improve like just techniques in general with how they were able to move these figures, but it was still very impressive. Um, Danny Elfman on the score and as the voice of, uh, Jack Skellington is great, uh, you know, it felt like they, they shoved that love story in there with Sally. Uh it, because it felt like Jack just really just ignored her the entire movie until like the very end when it, all else failed. It's like, well, I still got Sally. Like, sure. World exploration. Really enjoy Chris. That's I, I find a lot of enjoyment out of that. So when we go into Christmas land, Christmas town. It's really fun to see all the people that are living there and, and you know, the the different toys the elves are making, the different kids getting the different presents, Jack being very Grinch-like in walking into people's homes and checking out what they've got going on. And, you know, it, it's this kind of almost like stay in your lane le- lesson, <laughs> you know, like. You, Dude, you...
0: that's literally what I wrote down. I literally <laughs> wrote stay in your lane.
1: Yeah, it's like you don't have to impress others to be true to yourself, you know. You you can do what you do well, um, and that's enough. Uh find purpose in who you are, sort of thing. And Jack realizes that and I, I enjoyed that storyline. I think that's I mean, I don't watch this movie every Halloween, Chris. So revisiting this it this time was the first time in a very in a couple years that I watched it again. And so revisiting that storyline was impressive to me because I it's not just this is Halloween on repeat you know it, it dives a little bit deeper than that the characters are great uh the evil doctor and his whole like taking out his brain to make another half and all the weird quirks the vampires with the really high voices we got the the vagabond jazz band Mr. Bone Daddy um <laughs> You know, it's just a classic. It's a classic tale, man. And it, it kind of sucks that, you know, it's it's up against the Scream Team because it makes my life hard because I really want to pass the Scream Team on, but I don't know that I can against Jack Skellington and the Halloween world building that they do there and and the tropes of Halloween and the Oogie Boogie as the villain Just everything is creepy, crawly Halloween in The Nightmare Before Christmas with a very solid storyline. So major props for me to Scream Team. I'll see you next Halloween, Scream Team. But I'm moving Nightmare Before Christmas on.
0: Kyle, let's start off by talking about Ryan Gosling's recent Disney hot take that just took Twitter by storm. Ryan Gosling was like standing in a parking garage and he was like <laughs> yeah. accosted by some teenagers who, uh, who randomly asked him about Disney. And and he said that Nightmare Before Christmas overlay to the Haunted Mansion should be put off until after Halloween, which I think right. we said that on the yeah. Attractions did Audio say, Bracket
1: We did say a few that. months ago. I Get think, him on the pod.
0: <laughs> I, yeah. First of all, get Ryan Gosling on this podcast. If you're listening, Ryan... Email us at mousematispodcast at gmail.com. I think that that take can be true. And also it be true that Nightmare Before Christmas is a Halloween movie. Right. Uh, Because I kind of had an issue with that. Like when I was watching this movie, Mm. I was like, it's not a question of whether this movie is great. Nightmare Before Christmas is one of the greatest animated movies ever made. Mm Mm-hmm. The question is gonna be is it a Halloween movie or is it a Christmas movie? And <laughs> and Ryan Gosling's little sound bite kept playing in my head and I was like eh, uh, Gosling ah. <laughs> And I kind of like came to terms with the fact that both can be true. You know, like 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 you said, it can be a Halloween movie and, and also scary stuff can work better in the Haunted Mansion than than Christmassy stuff because I mean Haunted Mansion holiday is Jack decorating the Haunted Mansion for Christmas. Correct.
1: We're not even in Jack's Halloween realm during the overlay. So that's where that separates. So
0: it's very much presenting the Haunted Mansion attraction as being decorated for Christmas time, not for Halloween time, for Christmas time. Scream Team, man, you are right, though. This movie is very enjoyable. Uh, It's got its own theme song. (laughs) Yes, it does. But here's a question, and I don't know if I just wasn't paying close enough attention do they even say the words "scream team" at all in the movie? Because Eric Idle calls them the Soul Patrol right. at one point.
1: Yeah, I don't. Remember and so I was waiting.
0: I was, I was waiting for the spirits and the kids at the end of the movie. One would be like, "Oh, another win for the Soul Patrol," and then one of the kids puts their hands in and goes, "No." We are the scream team. <laughs> and then the scream team theme song like drops and then the credits roll. But that right. never happened. Like they never said scream team once in the movie. Mm-mm. I don't think they did. So I don't know.
2: I think that they, the only thing I can think of when I was watching it is that the um, the dude kept commenting on how the girl was screaming all the time. That's the only connection that I found. Oh
1: yeah, pass. you're right. I remember he that.
2: Was really annoyed with her screaming.
0: The term scream queen is a term used to describe stars like Jamie Lee Curtis back in the day when she was in the Halloween movie. So this might be a pun on Scream Queen, Scream Team. Right. So that that could be what it is. Uh, We got Zachariah Cole, another weird, jilted lover, committing acts of violence. Didn't end up actually playing out that way, but it was kind of how it was presented. Like you said, love the world-building It's an enjoyable watch. I think, like you, I'm going to revisit this movie at this time of year. But uh, NBC is just a juggernaut. I think it's ranked too low on this bracket, but uh, I understand the controversy. So I'm moving it on as well. Tess, any uh, thoughts on Nightmare or Scream Team?
2: Nope, I agree with everything you guys said. I think Nightmare Before Christmas is... uh... It's going gonna, it's gonna to go really far, and we'll see how far it goes in
0: this bracket. All right, y'all. We finally I feel bad made for it. you, Chris.
1: I feel so bad for you.
0: <laughs> this is a, the last matchup, and it's the <laughs> toughest matchup. It is the number six seed Frankenweenie versus number 11 Tower of Terror. In a lot of ways, Frankenweenie feels like a souped-up Nightmare Before Christmas in its animation style. The the stop motion and the claymation in this is pure. It Gosh, looks so good. so 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 good. In Nightmare Before Christmas, you can tell it, like they they went through it and probably took several years to get everything right. Frankenweenie was just like, it's amazing. Honestly, like what they're able to do with all of the different textures and uh, you know just making it look so crystal clear. Yeah, it's great. It's a parody of sorts on. Frankenstein and it has some things to say about science versus nature totally. or or science versus god whatever whichever you prefer it it's a little bit clunky for me in getting to that like getting through that theme and like getting through what I think it might be trying to say about it uh you lose some of the like plot and some of the character I think in this movie, I think it's more of a commentary than it is like a a story about a boy and his dog. That's just me. It's just like that science stuff is just like, they hit it so hard on the head, especially like that PTA meeting where all of the parents are like, (laughs) we don't believe in science. (laughs) It was like very clear what this movie was trying to do. That's not to say it's not enjoyable. I do love Sparky. Uh, we didn't have Sparky yes. at all on the Best Dog Bracket, and I think that's probably a mistake because yeah. he's great. I agree. We obviously had Mr. Whiskers <laughs> on Best Cat, and I think an even bigger mistake is that Mr. Whiskers did not win the Best Cat Bracket <laughs> because I forgot how incredible this cat is. <laughs> I'm just like in Stitches, every single scene Mr. Whiskers in, he absolutely steals it. This is so good. Oh, his, his alphabet cat poops. <laughs> Absolutely legendary. We talked about the tennis scene in Twitches. Kyle, we've got a baseball scene.
1: We should, oh, do we? <laughs>
0: in Frank and Weenie, We've got our two wheelhouse sports on this bracket. <laughs> the only thing I'll say about that baseball scene, Victor's got a solid bat flip. He, oh, yeah. He goes Fernando Tatis Jr. on this ball <laughs> and does a solid four rotations on this bat flip.
1: Watches that thing not even leave the yard, but leave just far enough, bounce yeah. far enough out of their it, park area.
0: Yeah, he definitely uh, a pimps a ball that probably should not have been pimped. <laughs> Frank has got that classic Tim Burton dark humor in it that I just love. My favorite part is when they have the New Holland Festival and uh, (laughs) the mayor presents his niece as the New Holland Girl of the Year or whatever. She's got the birthday (laughs) candles in her hat and she's like, I don't think it's safe. And he's like, nonsense, (laughs) the fire chief is here. And they cut over to him and he's like this guy who looks like a zombie. He's like, yeah, everything's fine. (laughs) It's so good. It's like classic Tim Burton delivered in perfect deadpan. Yeah, uh, It's uh, great Frankenweenie it. an incredible watch um, I knew it was going to be I had really high expectations for it And it certainly met those Tower of Terror Much like something wicked This way comes Tower of Terror has been scrubbed From the internet yes. And I would love to know why Because Tower of Terror Was a delight Yes it was I remember walking through the Tower of Terror gift shops on many of occasions and seeing this movie on DVD and being like, this looks terrible. I mean, I grew up watching the Twilight Zone, and I'm like, they try to do some stupid Twilight Zone thing with this Tower of Terror. It's probably awful. I never gave it the time of day. And it popped up on this bracket, so I had to track it down uh, on a non-Russian website. But I I, I got a hold of it. I watched it. Not great quality but i really enjoyed it i don't know if it was because my expectations were so low but much like mom has a date with a vampire this is just a really like structurally sound movie that has Mm -hmm. a lot to enjoy it's got kirsten dunst who we all know from many things but it's also got melora hardin who we all know as jan levinson gould well actually not gould the gould has been divorced right um she doesn't really have a very big role. She's like the singer actress, but uh, it's just kind of fun to see her pop up. Very interesting the way that they kind of like tie in the ride into this movie. It surprisingly really works for me. It's not super awkward. They have some tip top club references. The tip top club is like an important location to the plot and the finale of this movie. And Really, the Tip Top Club is just, like, on a sign in the Tower of Terror lobby. Yeah. And, like, they turn it into this whole location. And it was cool for me as a Tower of Terror fan to see what the Tip Top Club looks like. It's lit, the Tip Top Club. It's got a live swing band, a huge dance floor. It's got a buffet. (laughs) You can chow down at the Tip Top Club. Ultimately, this is a really good movie about family, about... Uh, forgiving the trespasses of the past It's got some, some witchcraft Which I, I don't know works in Tower of Terror But um, it's it's got the ghosts I got, I got a kick out of all the ghosts I loved all of their banter That's not to say there weren't some issues with this movie One thing that Multiple movies on this bracket reference Is like the fake news Publications of the late 90s and early 2000s. Totally. There's like, I think Scream Team does it. Mm-hmm. This movie does it. And one other one does it. Maybe Mom has a date with a vampire. The dad is like a writer yeah. for this like weekly world news type fake news outlet. And it just, I don't know. Do they still make those? I don't know.
1: Not that I've seen.
0: In this media environment, they might have all kind of like merged into one giant. <laughs> news source all we have left is the onion right one problem with realism I have in this movie is just the idea that there's this massive hotel in the heart of Hollywood that has been abandoned for 60 years and no one has touched it (laughs) Right. this property is worth for sure in excess of 100 million Mm dollars 13 floors the actual Hollywood Tower is located, like, right north of the 101 Freeway in Hollywood. Prime location. Uh, and I just don't believe that it would just be sitting empty for, like, 60 years. They kind of explain that and being like, oh, like, yeah, it was in great-granddaddy's will. And uh, they said no one can touch it until the mystery is solved. So right. uh, Yeah. But I can't wait till it's solved because then, you know, I got the gold mine. got there. So they kind of do explain it a little bit. But I'm like, dude, the bank would have come up with some... Type of way to explain why this property needs to be in someone's hands and totally. someone's got to get money out of it, and totally. for a property that has been sitting vacant for sixty years in the heart of Hollywood, can't believe that the gate is just open <laughs> and the dad just like walks into it and he's like, oh, "We're here, we're we're going right in."
1: Everyone in Hollywood's just really afraid of ghosts.
0: Yeah, I uh, I see it as, as probably if this location existed in real life. A uh, squatting ground for many uh, homeless individuals in Hollywood. Correct. The movie's a little bit clunky off the ground, but by the middle part, I was pretty invested. In I, I, I really cared for all of the characters, cared for the ghosts. I really wanted them to solve the mystery. The thing that was bugging me the most was that the elevator didn't drop like yeah. on the night that the event happened. Right. The only reason I think that they did that was to, to have that, like, finale scene where, like, the climax is the elevator is the drop? dropping. Is it not going to drop? So by the end, I kind of was, like, okay with the, like, discontinuity between the movie and the attraction. This is a really hard one. I think after watching all of these movies, I was most pleasantly satisfied with Tower of Terror. Oh,
1: my gosh.
0: And I think Frankenweenie is probably the better Halloween movie, but I'm going with my own personal bias on this one. And I am advancing Tower of Terror past Frankenweenie.
1: My only experience with Tower of Terror was the movie because California didn't get it right away when DCA opened. So so I knew Tower of Terror from the movie. And uh, I also didn't realize that the movie was inspired from... ride and not the other way around because um it's not often that they do that you know and especially like you know in that current theme park time when universal is really getting off the ground with their theme park where they are just shoveling in attractions off of like blockbuster type movies this was not a blockbuster movie this was one of the like wonderful world of disney like sunday night movies that premiered on tv and it was actually the first that was based on an attraction So after this, you have Country Bears, and you have Pirates, and you have Haunted Mansion. Um, But this was the first. I think they did a really, really good job with it. I own it, so I didn't have to, you know, scour the internet for it. And this is on my, like, Halloween rotation. I love this movie so much. It's just, it's the right amount of, like, spooky ghost with, like, silly Disney with, very good acting i think um even from agatha the witch uh the she's very over the top when she's this elderly lady sneaking into steve gutenberg's like home and you know camping out there waiting for him to get back it so it's everything is just so well thought out and and planned all the way to the the finale you're you're right kind of wish that we saw the elevator drop with the killing the people in it and not just so much that they just got like zapped in the elevator. Uh, But you're right. They were waiting for the climax. Um, As much as I love this movie, Chris, I'm moving Frankenweenie on just based on I think it is the better Halloween movie. Uh, Tower of Terror does have a special place in my heart, and I think it's a very good movie, very good Halloween movie. But Frankenweenie is just so impressive across the board. I'll dive uh, if it moves on. Actually, no, I'll say it now. So in case it doesn't move on, uh, do you ever watch the short? It's on Disney Plus. That inspired I, it.
0: I watched it after the fact, and so, same. I enjoyed it. I yeah, it.
1: so did I. Uh, and so that's Tim Burton's short as well. And so then he finally got you know the money and resources to make his vision full and and do this uh, stop motion movie, which I thought was great. A lot of the scenes in Frankenweenie the big moments are literally shot recreations of the live action short uh in claymation so that's really fun to just see um it was always it was hard to like time when this movie took place because when they're downtown Bambi's in theaters and I was like <laughs>
0: yeah that's right
1: I was like so are we in the 40s but those cars are definitely in the 50s so my nerdy self went back to look at when Bambi was re-released, and it was re-released to theaters in 1957. So I have a feeling that's oh, when this movie my takes gosh. place.
0: Takes place in Bambi re-release era America. For what, okay, for
1: whatever reason. So <laughs> I'm moving Frank and Winnie on. Uh, you brought up all the points that I really like about it. If uh, so, I just think it's a very solid Halloween movie. Tess, to end this episode, you're breaking a tie.
2: Okay, I had to grab the DVD so that yes oh we got it yeah let's go so, so oh there's glare but do you see what that says on the back
0: it says spectacular special
2: effects so this is what really drew me to buy the movie i wanted to see if the <laughs> if, if it held up um oh, when, was the, when was this movie released gotta be
0: 2000
2: something like that
0: something like that yeah
2: um it wasn't terrible. I mean, the whole like special effects and like the, the mirror or whatever with the, the mean lady, those were, those were pretty good 2000 special effects. I have Ninety- 97. Yeah. yeah. 97, yeah. So um, yeah, I really enjoyed both of these movies. I watched Tower of Terror a little while ago when I, um, I bought it a couple months ago and I really enjoyed it. Um, Frank and Weenie I had never seen, and so I, I really enjoyed everything that you guys said. They did not have to go that hard with the, um, the design of the teacher with his, like, huge mustache and his huge teeth and everything. They did not have to go that hard, but they did, and that was really enjoyable, um, as much as i love 90s kirsten dunst i i have to go with frank and weenie because it just it seems like more of a halloween movie and tower of terror i kind of just kind of consider more of a parks lover movie in my um movie watching experience
0: wow well we'll have tim burton versus tim burton oh boy in the next round which is going to take place on our next episode kyle why don't you take us through what we got (laughs) Next time, because this is uh, all over the place
1: here. (laughs) It is. So, on the left hand side of the bracket, we have number one, Hocus Pocus, versus number eight, Phantom of the Megaplex. Moving down, we have number four, Haunted Mansion, versus number 12, Mr. Boogity, can't wait. On the other side of the bracket, we have number 15, Something Wicked This Way Comes, versus number 10, Mom's Got a Date with a Vampire. And to round out our Elite Eight, we have the number three, Nightmare Before Christmas, facing off against tim burton's franken weenie this is uh i always knew that right hand side of the bracket was going to be tough it just got a whole lot tougher with uh, what the ones that we moved on and i'm excited to see what upsets happen on the left side this is a great elite eight I'm, I'm gonna i'm so excited for the next episode
0: all right well tess thank you so much for joining us on this episode we appreciate all of your halloween spooky insights
2: oh, thanks for having me it was it was very enjoyable i'm super excited for the next episode
0: All right, folks. Well, you know how to reach us. You can send us an email if you've got something to say about this. If you want to take on some co-hosting duties, we are open to discussion. Yeah. You can reach us at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com. You can always send us a tweet. Put our interns to work, people, on that Twitter machine, (laughs) at mousemadnesspod. You can also join our Facebook group or our private Discord server, which is linked in the description of this podcast. Until next time, boogity! (laughs) (laughs) I wanna be like you. I do, be I wanna walk like you, talk like you.